throughout the course of the gospel, whenever the Lord teaches the people of God, he recurrently uses this particular type of phrasing where he says some variation of like, look, you've heard it said to you this, but now I say to you that. So again, you've heard it said to you this, but now I say to you that. And today I'd like to do a variation of that particular exercise, uh, focusing on this really famous story that you find in the aftermath of the Annunciation. So as you might recall, the Annunciation is a really famous scene, obviously, where the Blessed Virgin Mary is invited to become the Mother of God based on the invitation by the Lord through the angel Gabriel, right? And of course, she, she agrees. She acquiesces, if you will. But then, more to the point, she tells her husband Joseph, right? And so, uh, I'm pregnant, not by you. Uh, I've conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we hear in the context of the gospel is that Joseph is a righteous man, right? And so, instead of having her stoned, he decides to send her away quietly, right? Now, again, when it comes to this particular passage, the way that this particular story is interpreted, again, some variation of you've heard said to you this, is this idea that, you know, Joseph basically didn't believe Mary, right? And so he had the right under the Mosaic law to have her stoned to death for being an unwed mother. But because, you know, he loved her and because, you know, uh, he was a righteous man on top of that, he exceeds the demands of the Mosaic law, the rights that he has under the Mosaic law and decides to send her away quietly, right? And so, again, that's the typical interpretation of the story which falls in the immediate aftermath of the Annunciation. That said, many Catholic saints and many church fathers have proposed and advocated an alternative theory, otherwise known as the reverence theory. And this is supported by such people as uh, St. Bonaventure and whatnot. And so basically, according to the reverence theory, St. Joseph actually believed Mary, right? And so when she came to him and said, look, I, I've conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, he didn't disbelieve her, but instead quite the opposite. He believed that she conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then he thought through, right? So if Mary has conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, that means that she is the mother of God, the child conceived in her is the Messiah. That means like they collectively form the Holy Family. And so by extension, he's invited to, to join them uh, to become part of the Holy Family. And the idea, the unspoken thought is that, you know, he's intimidated by that, right? And so shades of St. Peter, right? Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Once he realizes, of course, that he's in the presence of divinity. And so again, a similar thing kind of happens here, right? And so St. Joseph, once he realizes the implicit invitation to, to be part of the Holy Family, thinks, okay, well, therefore God is calling me to, to do something great, to be someone great, and I can't measure up to it. There's no way I can measure up to the greatness that I call. And so even though it's framed in terms of the gospel, in terms of, you know, sending Mary away quietly, what it actually means is like Joseph sends himself away quietly because he feels like he, he can't live up to the greatness of the call. Now, before we get to how the Lord actually responds to St. Joseph in terms of his own interior struggle, I want to kind of frame the thing by referring to a, this really famous parable called the Parable of the Talents, right? And so kind of a quick recap, right? So um, there's this master who, who gives his various slaves varying amounts of what's called talents, right? And so a talent was basically worth like $1.6 million, right? And so um, even the guy who only gets one talent, uh, he gets a lot of money, right? And so anyways, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Three slaves, uh, one guy gets 10 talents, the other guy gets five. Again, the last guy gets, gets one, right? And then the master leaves uh, for an undetermined amount of time, doesn't give prior instructions. Then he comes back eventually to, to settle accounts with his slaves, right? The guy who got 10 made 10 more, right? So he's praised. Um, the guy who had five made five more, and so he's praised as well. The guy who had one uh, simply buried his, his talent in the ground. And what you hear in the context of the gospel is that he did so because he heard that the master was, was harsh and whatnot. 
And so the master rebukes him harshly, right? Now, what's interesting is you got to read between the lines, right? And so the third slave, he frames it in terms of like, you know, master, I heard you were harsh and whatnot. But to kind of stop and think of it in terms of this narrative involving St. Joseph, right? And so I would suggest that what was going on in the head of this third slave was like, look, I've been given this amount of money by this master, uh, $1.6 million. I'm a slave. I have no prior notion of ownership. I don't even belong to myself. And so what's implied in, in this gift is this expectation, right? Again, the master um, invites me, commands me, uh, implores me to do great things, to become great. And I think I can't live up to that. And so because I think I can't even imagine myself succeeding, I bury my talent in the ground. I, I give up before the great adventure can, can even begin, right? And so you bring it back to the end of, of the story, right? It's, it's kind of funny depending on how you look at it, right? So the master says like, look, all you had to do was put your talent in the bank and let it collect interest, right? And if you did that, things would have been fine, right? And what's funny about that is that, you know, if he did that, um, in terms of the collecting of interest, like the bank would have done all the work, so he didn't even have to do that. And it really kind of would overturn his expectations in terms of what he was expected to do, right? And so, yeah, you're called to become great. The Lord does have great expectations for you, but the path to greatness is not necessarily what you might expect, right? And so hold that thought and take it back to our original story, the story of St. Joseph, right? And so, you know, God says to him through an angel, you know, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, right? Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. In other words, don't be afraid to correspond to the invitation and calling to be great, right? The child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You will name him Jesus, and you will save people from their sins, right? So again, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid, again, to correspond to the invitation to become great. And your choice to go the way of God, to choose to correspond to the calling and invitation to become great has massive implications, not just for you, but for the salvation of the world, right? But here, here's the point, right? Even though it's true that you're called to become great, again, the path to greatness is not necessarily what you might expect, right? And so basically, Joseph, you're meant to focus on the duty of the moments, to cleanly situate yourself in the context of the simple and the humble of the ordinary. Focus on being a good father, focusing on being a good husband. Protect Mary, keep her safe, make her feel safe. Guide this son, teach him, teach him how to become this noble Jewish man, right? And, and he does that, right? Obviously, you know, St. Joseph does that. And then he dies. He dies before Jesus can even begin the public life. And so he never gets to see who Jesus would eventually become. And so the recurring temptation, I'm sure, throughout the course of his life was that, you know, was it worth it? And also, like, did it work, right? Like, when I fully enclosed myself in the context of, again, the dewy of the moment, the present moment, the simple and the humble and the ordinary, did I really correspond to the Lord's invitation to become great? And obviously, you know, you know the, the good tree by its fruit, right? Obviously, it, it did work, right? In the words of Ralph Martin, even though Joseph died before the public life uh, could commence, at the same time, what's the truth? St. Joseph changed the life of the one who would ultimately change the world, all because he had the courage and the wherewithal to accept Mary as his wife, to correspond to the invitation, not just to do great things, but to actually become great. And may God bless you all.